Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome to the Scoop Podcast. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. My name is Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. We've got a really exciting episode for you today. We've got the great Erin Burns joining the show ahead of her potential debut for the New South Wales Breakers. That's been a long time coming for Burnsy. But firstly, let's wrap up an exciting week of WNCL action. LJ, we were lucky enough to be up in Canberra for a, a really fun week watching some 50 over cricket. How did it all unfold? We were absolutely lucky enough to be up there. We had the ACT Meteors, Queensland, the SA Scorpions and Tasmania all up there with us to start the season. The uh, Tassie Tigers were the standout team for the week. They had two wins from two matches, which is a, a really strong start after a disappointing campaign last season. They defeated the Scorpions and Meteors. The uh, Meteors upset Queensland early on, uh, but every team walked away from the week with at least a win because the Scorpions got a win over the Meteors to close out the week. Yeah, it was certainly great to be watching some longer form cricket after after the WBBL season, and I'm sure... Sure, the players were glad that the preseason finally wrapped up and they were back playing games. Um, yeah, as you said, it was a pretty, it was an exciting week with some evenly matched contests. We had three Centurions for the week. They kept things pretty entertaining. They sure did. Um, Nicola Carey was the first up with her maiden ton against the Meteors. Then on Sunday, we had two tons in the one match. Katie Mack starting off with one for the Meteors before Bridget Patterson saw her team home with 100 of her own. Um, I think in a week where a lot of the players struggled to adapt to the 50 over format and also on a really difficult batting wicket at Phillip Oval where they played all four games on the one wicket, those four really showed their class to grind out some innings in really tough circumstances. Yeah, it was certainly great to see them turn up and, yeah, get some wins on the board for their teams. And looking ahead, we've got an absolute cracker of a week to look forward to. So we've got Victoria hosting New South Wales in two matches at Junction Oval. LJ, you spoke to New South Wales coach Dom Thornley, who seemed pretty up and about with that prospect. Absolutely. He um, he reckons it's the biggest match in women's cricket in the world right now, and Ooh. I think he's right. We've got the best players in the world. The Vicks have got Elise Perry, Meg Lanning, Sophie Molyneux, Taylor Valemic, Georgia Wareham, and Annabelle Sutherland all in their side. 
never mind Molly Strano and Elise Villani. And then for New South Wales, you've got Elisa Healy, Rachel Haynes, Erin Burns, Ash Gardner and Sammy Jo Johnson, plus heaps of young guns. It's yeah. just absolute star-studded. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute cracker. We are so excited. And unfortunately for those fans in Melbourne who are keen to maybe pop down to Junction Oval and have a watch, Cricket Victoria aren't letting the public in. However, you will be able to stream every ball live and free on cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. So, yeah, sink, sink your teeth into that this week. Yeah, hopefully people are um, not doing any work this week and just watching these live streams on Wednesday and Friday because it's going to be awesome. And there's been one more bit of really exciting news this week, hasn't there, Em? Sure has. So um, it was announced this week that a two-part series titled The Record is um, launching this Friday. So The Record is following Australia's T20 World Cup journey. And, yeah, so that'll be available from this Friday on Amazon Prime. And if the trailer's anything to go by, it's going to be epic. More from us on that later this week. And we are joined today by New South Wales breaker, Sydney Sixer and Aussie World Cup winner, Erin Burns. Burnsy, thanks so much for taking the time to join us ahead of a very exciting week. Yeah, no trouble. It's great to talk to you, be talking to you guys. You've got a potential breakers debut coming up. Um, it's been a long time coming. You're a New South Wales girl and you obviously were part of the contract list last season without getting a chance to play a game. Do you, are you excited that it's finally happening? <laughs> yeah, look, I'm actually really not counting my chickens I don't know I have these like ideas of that I'll be walking across the street or something and you know do my ankle in or something (laughs) no it's just like the gods are against me at this point but yeah hopefully you know having undergone two two pre-seasons under the strict guise of um Sean our SNC who's uh, somewhat a saddest at times hopefully I can it can finally come to fruition that I can get my breakers debut I'm I'm rooting with Sammy Joe Johnson um, down here in Melbourne, and we're both um, we're both chomping at the bit to make our our New South Wales um, Breakers debut because obviously both of us being um, New, New South Wales, um, you know, coming through New South Wales underage systems and and not kind of having that opportunity to play at that highest level, we're, we're both super pumped. Nice. Well, um, Burnsy, I'm, I'm sure you can make it one more day and get that pale blue cap. <laughs> and obviously the Breakers are one of the most successful sporting teams in history. In your time that you've spent training with them over the last year or so, does that sort of success and that winning culture shine through in the way they go about things? Yeah. Um, I guess it's a, it's a pretty common um, thing that we, that throughout pre-seasons we talk about, you know, creating team values and creating um, a culture that, that everyone wants to adhere to, to to get the best out of not only yourself but, you know, what you want to stand for as an association. But um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, legacy and, and as, you, as you mentioned, there's been an incredible legacy that's been left um, for us um, as the current generation of Breakers players from, from past past players, as you mentioned, it was a, it's been an incredibly successful group of, of players throughout the years. So hopefully we can take that and, um, and run with it. Obviously a bit of a, a stiff opponent first up against the big, but um, yeah, like I, I think everyone's just really looking forward to getting into it. Um, you know, uh, it should be a, a great game, a, a great facility and, and um, a super long preseason. So I think, as you said, <laughs> everyone's so keen to, to get stuck in. Yeah, as you said, super long preseason. It's also been a couple of months now since the WBBL ended. How much are you just itching to get back into it? Yeah, it does seem like when we're in that hub life, it felt like it was never going to end. Um, <laughs> now that everyone's kind of out of it and you know, we're, we're on the other side of 2020, um, 
yeah, we're we're all just so so incredibly keen. You know, the the, the latest um, few little hiccups with with border closures and things just threw an extra little spanner in the works. But to be able to be down here in Melbourne and and as I said, on the eve of eve of the games uh, coming up against Victoria, everyone's just so excited about it. Yeah, so we've got two mouthwatering clashes against Victoria coming up. What's sort of been the discuss discussion in the weeks leading into the, playing the Vicks, and what do you think the Breakers will have to do to knock the Vicks over? I don't think we're really focusing on too much else apart from what we what we do well, and 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 focusing on on how how we play our best cricket. As you said, it has been a little while that we've been together as a as one big unit and playing games, but. Um, yeah, we've got some incredible talent, obviously, you know, from the from the tried and tested um, Elisa Healy and Ray Chains through to a lot of young talent in, in, you know, the likes of Stella Campbell and Hannah Darlington. I think um, across the board, most of our girls, or pretty much all of our girls, have had some really successful WBBL campaigns. So um, obviously different, different format. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of those girls have taken some confidence out of out of playing against uh, girls of, of this caliber and with, with and against a lot of the girls in, in this big team and um, really keen to, to put their um, skills on display in the next couple of days. But as I said, I think we just, we don't need to you know, overthink things too much. I think we're just going to stick to our processes and, and play it as it comes. As you said, they're a pretty formidable side, but um, I think if we can, if, we can do what we do well, I think we'll give them a real good shape. Nice. Anyone who's really stood out to you in the nets? It's looking really good. Um, bowling wise, yeah, Stella Campbell's got a bit of heat about her at the moment. Obviously, she's a she's a tall lass, so um, she's got a little bit of that extra bounce that um, isn't really seen a lot in the women's game, just purely due to due to how tall she is. So, yeah, um, yeah she's been she's been very very good, and Sammy Joe's been hooping them around corners. So, um, yeah, I think our bowling attack will be will be really on point um, in the next couple of days. Awesome, keen. So much T20 <laughs> cricket played um, with the BB, WBBL. Why is the WNCL so important in the Australian domestic landscape? Yeah, I guess T20 cricket's just been a bit of the evolution of the game. It's um, very palatable. It's it's short form. It's easy to get kids along to. Then they're not, you know, tugging at your at your ankles to try and go home because they're tired. So um, yeah, I think for us, um, the 50 over format's been the one that has predominantly been played in the women's um, in the women's game well since the inception of the WNCL I guess and then T20 kind of you know started to to get a bit of a roll on along with um, when you know big bash league and that started with the men so um, yeah I think it's I think it's a really important um, thing to continue this legacy of um, making making a lot of importance around the fact that that not that it's super long obviously you're not playing test cricket but but um, that longer format of the game that people actually have have an opportunity to, you know, ha- implement tactics a little bit more. I think sometimes mm. big, bat, big bash cricket is a little bit of like a hit and giggle sometimes. But I think in the in the 50 over four, that's when you can really um, come into your own from from a tactical side of things and and really you know stamp your mark on the game from, with the long innings or or with the five for under your belt. I think it's a, yeah, a fantastic opportunity for a lot of girls that really toil away uh, to, to reap some rewards. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, what do you prefer playing or not prefer? What do you think suits your game better, the 20 over format or 50 over? Um, I guess I've, I've really enjoyed the, the big bash stuff in the last few years. Um, I probably would say that um, that's, that's something that uh, I probably prefer more so, but 
Um, I guess that, that comes out of just a lack of uh, ability to play a lot of 50-over cricket as well in the last couple of years. Um, I've really enjoyed playing playing the 50-over stuff and, as I said, I haven't um, managed to, to get that one on the board with the New South Wales um, team just yet. So, um, yes, so so keen to, to pull on the Sky Blues tomorrow. But um, in terms of a for and against, I'd maybe say six to six to T24 to 50. Nice. Just give a, sli- a slight edge, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty fair balance. And, Bernsey, <laughs> let's go back to the start for you. So you were you were a kid in Wollongong. Was it, did you have a cricket-centric upbringing? And what, were you, what was Aaron Burns like as a, as a kid? Uh, so, yeah, I grew up with um, – I got an older brother and three older stepbrothers. And, uh, and my dad was a pretty cricket crazy um, dad. So as a kid, we were always playing, you know, backyard cricket. Well, for us, it was driveway cricket and <laughs> so slight variations of the, uh, of the Australian classic. Um, and down the net and stuff all the time. And uh, I started playing, I guess, just with our local, local district team down there through all butchers um, as, a, as a kid with my brother. And, um, and then... Uh, it was more of a, I don't think dad really wanted to put me into anything else. I think it was a one-stop wonder, you know, you either come along and watch or you come along and play. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I started, I started playing with them and then um, played a bit of PWSA cricket and um, kicked about in, in those kind of uh, competitions and, and got a, played some rep stuff for South Coast and then um, got in the New South Wales, set up a couple of times for the, for the school stuff. And, at the time, I didn't really realise that there was anything above that. I just thought that, you know, the, the highest that you could do for a female cricket was um, was kind of school sport, really. Um, and then I managed, I was playing in a PWSA, oh, no, it was, must have been a CHS comp, uh, competition, and Lisa Kitely came over. And um, I'd heard of Lisa, obviously, um, you know, being a pretty amazing athlete at the time. She was playing for Australia and had done for quite a few, quite a few years. Um, and she just said, oh, if you want to come up and play a, a trial for a 15s, um, under 15s uh, New South Wales team. Nice. And um, this is outside of cricket, and I was, uh, sorry, outside of school. And I was like, oh, wow, there's uh, something something else here. So went and did that and then was lucky enough to, to play the next couple of um, years all through uh, 15s, 17s and 19s um, in that New South Wales um, set up and, you know, hanging out with your mates and, and going down to Geelong and going to Perth <laughs> and things for a couple of weeks yeah. was was pretty um, was pretty cool, I think, as a, as a kid at school. So, uh, yeah, did did that for the most part of growing up, and um, yeah, obviously some pretty heated encounters with my brother um, down at the nets kind of kept me a little bit sharper on my feet. <laughs> he'd always start off with leggies, and then he'd, he'd go to medium pace, and then he'd be throwing them down as, as fast as he possibly could, and just <laughs> hit me somewhere. So, um, yeah, a little bit of sibling rivalry definitely fueled the fire as a kid. And um, after that, yeah, I got, got my first opportunity to play um, at that state level with, with Tassie um, just because, as I said, New South Wales was, you know, it was essentially the Australian team at the time. So I um, had to look elsewhere and, yeah, was fortunate that I got enough. I got an opportunity across the Apple Isle. Yeah, who offered you that, that role in Tassie and how big a decision was it to make the move down there? Um, at the time, so Tassie uh, wasn't a part of the competition um, at that time and they, so they were looking to put a team together for their first um, WNCL and WT. Well, actually, no, they, they um, weren't even in the WNCL to start with. They were in the WT20. So they were just playing the 2020 uh, format of the what was usually a three-day weekend. So you played two 
two one days and a, and a T20. So um, I got the opportunity just by, so our coach or the Tassie coach at the time, Jade Selby, was looking for just a couple of um, girls from interstate to to come down and, um, you know, just, just join the team. I think obviously Tassie um, has a far less um, pool <laughs> of players to draw from, just purely yeah. from a population point of view. So um, obviously New South Wales had plenty and then some so um yeah we I got the uh, the uh, myself my friend Carly Ryan and Emma Thompson or who's now Emma Flynn who's still playing down in Tassie all went down and um and and played a season just not really knowing what to expect but yeah we all just jumped up the opportunity I think we we're all pretty aware as I said that the the New South Wales team was going to be pretty pretty tough to crack and you'd be sitting around for quite a few years and um but you probably got that opportunity so um yeah at that time no one was really doing that. It wasn't really an opportunity to play for other states. Um, usually it was, you know, if you if you were going to a different state for university or for, mm-hmm. or for work or something, then you would play um, obviously in that state that you were now living in. But for the opportunity to fly in and fly out a little bit um, was something pretty fresh. So I thought, oh, this sounds pretty good. I was going to Wollongong and then would kind of scoot down for weekend um uh, matches and weekend um, camps and that kind of stuff and and, if, and obviously over uni holidays I'd stick around down in Tassie for a little bit longer so uh, yeah it was awesome uh, I didn't yeah I had zero hesitancy to do it and to do it with a couple of your of your best mates was even better nice was it tricky to balance your sort of life doing university and then also jetting in and out of Tassie yeah it, it was um, I they were really really understanding with um, you know, time that I that I needed off from from uni and and also um, and cricket, but at that time it was very different. It was very yeah. seasonal, so it's not like it is yeah. now. Where, mm. You know, you you contracted the whole year and you trained throughout the whole year. It was, you know, you'd rock up in maybe September, do a fresh preseason down in Launceston or something like that for for a week or, two, or a couple of weeks, and then you'd get stuck in, and you know, the whole season would be done by December or January. So. Um, yeah, the, the time commitment certainly wasn't the same as what it is now. So it was much easier to juggle. And a lot of the season kind of coincided with, um, with uni holidays. So, um, yeah, I kind of kicked about doing that for a while. And then, uh, yeah, certainly saw the development of it uh, as it started to become more professional and, you know, more, mo- more money was being put into it, more time was then expected of you. And I uh, kind of got to a point where I you know, graduated from uni. I was now working in Sydney and, it was, it was becoming more and more apparent that um, if I wanted to continue down there, I'd, I would have to move. Um, and I just, um, yeah, I'm a, a bit of a New South Wales gal. You know, <laughs> I've played all around the, all around the past. So my friends and my family and my partner are all in Sydney. So um, I kind of thought that this is a bit of an opportunity, potentially try my luck with something a little bit closer. Um, and um, got the offer to, to play for Sixers, um, which, which was great, just allowed me to, stay put a little bit more and um, and then ACT. Uh, so played a couple of seasons down there and then, yeah, final couple of years I've been able to stay put fully with uh, with a breakers contract. So, yeah, it's been a little bit of a full circle journey, but, um, yeah, no, I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't swap it for anything. Nice. And how was your time with the Meteors? Did you feel like you sort of learned a bit there and sort of developed a bit more as a player than to get you ready for the Breakers and the Aussie team? Yeah, it seemed like, I look back at it now, it seems super fleeting as well. Um, the two seasons went by pretty quickly um, down there. And, um, yeah, I was uh, teed up with um, James Allsop was our coach at the start and then 
he um, he got the gig um, kind of uh, in top top dog down there. So um, <laughs> then it was a very familiar face in um, David Drew, who'd actually been our assistant coach down in Tassie. Oh, okay. Uh, for the preceding mm. probably four four seasons four or five seasons while um, Julie Price was coach. So um, yeah, so he was he was our coach and. Yeah, it definitely, definitely helped in that that transition. I think as well. I was traveling back and forth from Canberra quite a bit. Um, mm. Came very familiar with the Hume Highway and where the where the speed cameras were and where the <laughs> you know um, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, definitely clocked up the K's mm. uh, during those kind of couple of seasons. But yeah, it was great. And then a great great bunch of girls and obviously a couple of girls that I did play a lot of cricket with when I was younger in. You know, Erin Osborne, um, who's down there as well. So, um, yeah, I really liked my time there, but I think it became pretty apparent that um, I thought in my mind, I'm like, this will be easier because I'll be closer to home. And, yes, Canberra is obviously closer to home, but um, it still was like quite long a bit drive. of a lot of long drive and, and, and quite a bit of time out. So yeah. uh, then when I did get that opportunity to, um, to come back to New South Wales, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me. Very nice. And... All along that time, was it in the back of your mind that you did want to play for Australia one day? And is that something you were always working towards? Yeah, like I think anyone that plays, you know, plays a sport that they love would love to represent uh, represent their country. I think for me personally, particularly in the Tassie years, um, I had just so much fun. I was playing with some of my best mates and I made some amazing friendships with all the Tassie girls at the time and we were fairly aware that we were the underdogs at the best of times. So um, uh, I think um, during those kind of years, I, I didn't, I don't think I, t- I thought too much about it. I think I was just going down and, and playing my cricket and, 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 um, and just really enjoying playing. But I think certainly when I started like making those decisions to, you know, to allow myself to be a bit more centralised um, with the with the Sixers stuff and then obviously, you know, um, New South Wales and, and prior to that in the, the Canberra scene, I think I, I probably could have just kept on ticking along and, and, and doing my, my fly in, fly out a little bit if, if um, obviously if um, that had worked with the with the rest of the, the organisations down that Cricket has. But um, I think that opportunity to, to centralise life and work and training and all of it just like allowed me to be able to put a bit more energy into cricket and I think that's when I really kind of flipped the switch in, in thinking that you know yeah this is definitely something that I that I really want to have a good crack at um whereas before I'd kind of you know float in and out of it a little bit having a bit of fun um just seeing kind of where where it goes um yeah so I'd probably say yeah definitely was always in the back of your head um for sure or as a kid I remember kind of having those little, you know, daydreams about representing your country. And, um, yeah, I think what transpired, you know, ne- nearly 12 months ago in the, in the World Cup was, um, you know, a pretty pretty dreamlike state, to be perfectly fair. Kind of yeah. think that was a year ago. It was pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, no, it's been it's been amazing and, and yes, certainly something that, I, that I'll treasure. Yeah, so when you got that call from Australian selector Sean Flegler that you were heading over to the West Indies, was that, did that come as a surprise to you or is it sort of, was it on your radar a little bit or just out of nowhere? No, oh, it wasn't on my radar at all. I was settling in for, you know, after... For, for a solid period of work, to be perfectly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that the first thing that kind of, you know, got my attention that that could potentially be a thing was um, we went to New, uh, sorry to the UK in that, that June and July for a 
you know, a, a series, Aussie A series um, against England and England A whilst the Aussie girls were over there playing their ashes. And yeah. it was um, myself and then a large gap to the next, <laughs> to the next group of girls. So um, actually Sammy Joe um, was um, over in that tour too and, uh, there are few few of us that could actually we're old enough to to drive the um, the vehicles and I was obviously one of them um, and Sammy jokes that it was um, Bernsey's magic school bus which it probably was <laughs> in a way um, but uh, yeah so I was over there just thinking I was talking to Leah Poulton who was the the coach over there and I was just like a little perplexed because like you know here I was at 31 with yeah. um, you know probably an average age of 18. <laughs> It's like an amazing experience, but kind of thinking, oh, like, this is interesting. Like, why would I be yeah. <laughs> in development? Um, and obviously, yeah, chatting to Leah and she kind of uh, yeah, gave me a couple of words saying, you know, they, you know, there's potential for, for something high if you want it. Um, so, yeah, I guess that little bit of a fire. And um, uh, when I got the call in August, yeah, it, it was like a, definitely a surprise. I, did, I didn't think that it would happen that quickly. Um, yeah, and obviously unfortunate for Sophie that she that she um, couldn't get up because of her shoulder injury. But, um, yeah, for, for me personally, it was an amazing experience and, yeah, just, just tried to take it all in really when I was over there. And um, probably a bit of a shock even debut with Megan that back and the sudden tap yeah. on the shoulder. Yeah, I think it's um, it was probably quite fitting really the way that it all, that it all happened. So, yeah, Meg going down the, the day before the, the day of really. She's doing all sorts of um, all sorts of weird and wonderful stretches that looked like she was about 75. I'm like, oh she's Meg Lanning, she'll get up. <laughs> and then um, yeah, um, Matthew might coming over and tapping me on the shoulder and being like, right, yeah, you know, you're on. I'm like, okay, cool, that's cool, it's all cool. fine. <laughs> and your path to that level of cricket it's hasn't been exactly linear. Do you think? What you've been through going to Tassie in the ACT has helped shape you as a person and, and give you a lot of perspective? Uh, yeah, I think um, in a way I think um, it's definitely allowed me to experience different um, different setups and, and different teams and um, the way that, that different teams kind of go about it. Um, I think down in Tassie, particularly early days, it was very um, quite, quite relaxed and quite like uh, uh, I guess just a, a focus on, you know, doing what you know well and, and you know, the rest will kind of take care of itself. And I guess um, as I've kind of continued along, um, I think, yeah, the the um, professionalism and things has certainly increased, as I said, with the amount of um, money and, and time that is being funneled into women's cricket um, uh, from, from obviously from, from Cricket Australia to all the different states and things. But, yeah, look, I think it's... Um, I've, I've never really been someone who, like, you know, you think where you hear that old story, uh, sorry, that old question of, you know, where are you going to be in five years' time? And I've never been able to tell you. Like, I've never thought yeah. more than two weeks ahead of myself. So, um, yeah, I think I've always been someone who has tended to just take it as it comes a little bit and, um, you know, big believer in if you're, if you're doing the right things and chipping away that, um, you know, things will come eventually. So, um, yeah, I think that's a bit of a, a tazzy kind of, I've always loved a bit of an underdog story too. You know, obviously I am from New South Wales, but I, I would like to say that a big part of my cricket heart reside, um, resides down in Tassie. So, um, yeah, I do I do always love a bit of that underdog story and I'd like to think that um, when we were down there, um, our first indoor session down at um, the NTCA in Launceston, I would, you know, comparing that to the 
the facilities and stuff that they have over here at Junction Oval or yeah. at Wales. I'm like, gee whiz, that was a bit of a far cry from that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so no, it's been, it's been an pretty awesome journey but um yeah loved every moment yeah I bet like thinking back to those the indoor nets at, in Tassie you probably didn't think that one day you'd be sort of on the ground when there's eight, 86,000 people in the MCG <laughs> for the T20 World Cup final no uh, yes you, you're definitely right <laughs> uh, yeah if someone had kind of said that that would be the um you know something that would come into fruition in the well that was a while ago that'd be about 10 years ago but um I Still wouldn't have believed them. I don't think I would have believed that there'd be that many people to watch a women's cricket game at full stop, let alone me being a part of it. So. Yeah. What are your reflections from that tournament in general? Yeah, like I think in the moment, I think there was, there was obviously a lot of media hype and a lot of buzz around it. Um, but I think we were, we were all fairly, um, I wouldn't say removed, but I don't think anyone really indulged in it a lot. Um, the, the, the talk was always like quite... Um, quite about about the group rather than all the external factors so it tends to be like quite a um a little bubble so to speak which is quite funny talking about bubbles these days but um, <laughs> so, um yeah so we, we obviously knew that there was a big buzz about it we knew that there was a lot of hype around it but but we kind of parked that and just um you know took it one day one day one game at a time and you know there were some heart flutters early particularly against you know obviously that opening game against India not going the way we wanted and then having a bit of a heart in mouth, mouth moment against Sri Lanka <laughs> following it up in, um, in um, Perth. But I think those experiences just hardened the team, I think, a little bit and and kind of allowed us to, to be like, right, okay, if we can kind of get through this, we can we can get a bit of a roll on and then, you know, we know what we need to do. So, um, yeah, and then obviously to, to finish with, you know, a near sellout crowd, it was just honestly like and people say this and I know that you know you kind of expected to say this but it was just just the most surreal experience of my life to walk yeah. into the MCG and we've obviously played at the MCG a bunch of times and you know the, the most um notable thing there is the echo usually you can kind of be like hey and then it's hey, hey, hey all around <laughs> because there's no one there and um yeah. and then to walk in and to have well obviously not only you know the the amazing sexy back outfits of Katy Perry backup dancers running around the place, but to see you know people sitting in the top row of the top tier at the MCG before the games even started, I was just like, wow, this is going to be something special. Got the um the record coming out this week, the Amazon documentary. Have you had a chance to watch that yet? And look back over everything that happened a year ago? Uh, I haven't. I haven't yet. I haven't had the the chance. I've I've kind of had little bits and pieces of moments kind of here and there, but I, I, I want to make sure that I have the time to sit down and fully take it in. Um, I, as I said, I've, I've definitely got some pretty, some amazing fond memories and I'm sure that there'll be some um, moments that'll be, um, you know, read like, you know, brought, brought back to life from, from a couple of the things that'll, that'll come about in the documentary. But um, yeah, I think it'll be fantastic. I think it's going to be a pretty amazing um well, from all accounts anyway, it's been a pretty amazing product that they put together. So, yeah, looking forward to, to seeing the whole thing in full when I can, you know, steal myself and in a nice dimly lit room and <laughs> yeah. really soak it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And, Bernsey, one last question just for the fans. Do you ever sort of sit back and think how wild it was that somehow you ended up on stage with Katy Perry just owning that stage? Absolutely. I That was <laughs> like... <laughs> 
just the most, as I said, I've said it a bunch of times, but just the most surreal experience to be up there dancing on her kind of stage and to have, you know, the best part of 50,000 people just riding every moment with you. I did have one regret though and I, I did, it did, did cross across my mind that I should have taken that moment to crowd surf. Um, <laughs> I was looking down Definitely. At, at the, like, at the crowd, like whilst I was, you know, doing a few little like um, <laughs> high fives on the, on the side of the stage and, you know, I think the average age is about 15, so I wasn't entirely sure of their upper body strength. I may have killed <laughs> someone, but, um, but that would probably be my only regret um, being up there. But, yeah, it was just, yeah, unbelievable. And, and I just think, you know, you just felt like a proper rock star in that moment. I think it was the, the perfect way to to cap off just such an incredible tournament and an incredible day. Absolutely. Bernsey, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Scoop Podcast and all the best for your Breakers debut this week. Should be a cracking week. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Obviously, you're, you're, you're um, barracking for the Sky Blues tomorrow, so I'll take that as a, <laughs> as a bit of a message of support too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanny. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.